Hello, hello, and welcome to Diversity on Fire. And I'm Heather in from New Hampshire. And I'm Nina from Iowa. So today our hot topic is about how to have conversations with people who you disagree with. And we thought that this was a good time to have this hot topic because Obviously, we just had an election, which we're not going to talk about. We just had that. So you've got differing opinions there. And then, of course, when you go in, you've got 2020 has brought so much to us. You know, when you're meeting with relatives and the conversation comes up about mask, no mask or riots versus people being, you know, it's it's there's so many different topics right now that people are having really hard conversations. And this is what we like to do on the podcast. So we thought we'd give everybody some some tips. What we're going to do is we actually have 12 tips on how to effectively and best have a conversation on someone you disagree with. So uh, we'll kind of share those tips and maybe our experience with them. Ready to go, Nina? I am. Are you ready to rumble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. hopefully not rumble. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully not. So that, um, so maybe that you get a chance to have a conversation, maybe learn something and or even maybe teach something but have it be productive in some way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first step that we have here is decide if you are ready. So basically consider the emotional load. Like if you're going to bring up a hot topic or a hard conversation with a relative or like a friend, that's going to be a heck of a lot more emotionally charged than if you're talking to someone that you don't know because there's no emotions. So decide first and foremost if you are ready to have that conversation, which I totally agree with, but I also think it's kind of weird because we don't necessarily do mental prep, right? Do we? Not always. Not always. Sometimes, especially sometimes people walk you into something that you aren't ready for. So that can be a different situation. But there are some times when you go into something and you understand realistically what you're probably heading to and family is a good one, especially with the holidays coming up. So you usually know what they think and if it's different than you. And you probably know what you really can tolerate. And so if you know you can't tolerate it, then you're going to have to do your best to avoid it. Well, and I think it's as simple as because that's that's one. And then two is, you know, depending on how the conversation comes up, it's if you're bringing it up is step two would be ask them if they're ready to have it. And if they kind of come to you with it, but they don't ask you if you're ready for it. Maybe it's just finding the ability to say, listen, like right now, I'm not ready to have this conversation with you and just shutting it down. Because if you're not emotionally ready to have that conversation, or if you're ready and they're not, it's not going to work. It's not going to be productive. I agree. And I, what I always tell other people and even myself in my mind is, do I want to maintain this relationship after if it's particularly testy? Because sometimes the truth is, I have decided that whatever the topic is, I might be willing to let go of the relationship. But sometimes I know that I won't be. And if I know that I won't be, and that's part of that emotionally ready, then sometimes I digress. Okay, so here's a question for you then. So because you mentioned this before, too, like sometimes you know where people stand. So you kind of have an idea on the direction of where things are going to go. Do you think that that serves you well? Or do you think that hinders you? Because if you already think that you know where they stand, are you really giving them a full opportunity to tell you where they stand? No, I'm not. But I also know that. (laughs) I love your honesty. I love it. It's true. But I also know that I realistically don't know if I would be able to manage my emotions. So I guess it 
even though it's where they stand, I, I know I have a good gut sense if I can take it or fall freak out i do and so if i think that the, the likelihood is so it's kind of blackjack if i think the likelihood is i'm going to come up you know over the top then i just don't engage okay that's fair i mean and that goes right to i'm not reasonable about everything yeah i'm just not so sometimes you got to know what you're not reasonable about no and i think that's fair and so you need to know where you stand obviously and there's look you can't always control it but we're just looking for like the best case scenario in terms of you know making an attempt right yeah yeah and sometimes so probably not having conversations when you're emotionally peaked right right well and that's actually that's kind of across the board what has been said about a lot of things like if you're upset in a business setting and you want to shoot back an email write the email do not send it wait till the next day reread the email because your tone even though your tone can be reflected in an email. And so do you, first of all, do you really want to say what you just said? Like, are you still that mad <laughs> 24 hours later? I'm so guilty, but I, I write missives and then I like read it. I'm like, whoa, I'll get fired. Okay. Back, 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 yeah. back, back. I have definitely done that thing where I wrote the email and I'm like, I know that I probably won't want to send this tomorrow, but I don't care. Send. Because sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. I mean, listen. <laughs> oh my god, being true to yourself. Yeah, but you do. You weigh it. You're like, how much? How much? But that's what I do. I'm like, how much do I want to do this? And is it worth it? Because sometimes it sometimes is. It to is. You. I mean, so the yeah. the third thing is so number one, are you ready? Number two, are they ready? The third one is like, what is your objective? You know, like, are you going into this conversation? So let's think about it in terms of like family or close friends. Are you going into the conversation hoping that you can change their mind and bring them closer to your perspective? Are you seriously just curious? Because maybe you don't know what their perspective is. Do you want to learn? Like, wh where are you coming from? And what is your objective? I just think most people are looking to win. And you have to figure out what that means, right? What does winning mean? So I think people feel like when they have a conversation, they want their position to be completely validated. 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 <laughs> validated. Yeah. So they want them to be validated. And that usually means they want close to total surrender. I don't know that I'm necessarily that way. You have to really take a look at if winning is based on just making sure that person thinks what you think and nothing that they think otherwise matters. And if that's all it is, which I think that's what a lot of us do, because I know I'm guilty of it. And I feel like I run across that a lot. And you have to be completely right and all the way right, then that's not an objective that's really compatible with having a constructive conversation. So if your objective is to win, then it's going to be harder, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I know that sometimes I have Sometimes I have discussions really to understand. And then those those discussions are really question driven for me um, because I really do want to understand. So then I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm not really doing a lot of anything else. There might be some pushback, but it's mostly question driven. When it's not, then really it's it's a lot of information that I give out and I'm not asking hardly any questions. And that's usually because I don't think that there's a lot of merit to their point of view. That's one of my default positions that I struggle with. And so I know that I'm not necessarily looking for anything that they have to say unless I can defeat them with it. So for you, a lot of the times you find yourself in a situation where your objective is really just to maybe put your point across and win them over by force. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm super willful. <laughs> 
okay. Yeah. So um, what do you think that? Well, I just, you mentioned like their perspective on what we, where we're coming from. But I think that that gets tangled a lot with, we talked about not necessarily the objective, but that's a bias, right? So going into yeah. the conversation, already thinking, you know what they think. But I think that flips a lot of times too. And I've had personally, I've had that happen to me a lot which is why I tread on it so lightly. I've had so many people come into a conversation with me thinking they know what I think when in fact they don't. So they're approaching me in a totally different way, maybe even a combative way based on what they think I think rather than being open to having a conversation and a dialogue back and forth and actually listening to what I actually think as opposed to what they think I think. And that's when I think it really matters if that discussion's with a stranger or family, or a coworker. I think the next one, so here's the thing, we're talking about how to be able to have a conversation with people that have a different view, viewpoint than you, right? Something that you guys disagree on, or likely disagree on, or it starts to become a di- in a disagreement. The suggestion is to start with a neutral, to start kind of from a neutral point, and try to come into it from a place of understanding. I think that becomes really difficult if your objective is to win. But at the same time, if your objective is to win, that's the best way to do it. Because if you come in from a place of like, if you come in hot, you're automatically turning them off. Right. So, I mean, so when you say what's your objective, so then the the question really is, why are you having the discussion? Like, why? Like, are you forced into it? Is it because you need to resolve something? So probably that makes a, a big difference because then we really probably need to talk about persuasion techniques. Start with a neutral, start from a neutral position, come from a place of understanding. And if things start to heat up, try to mentally remind yourself to go back to that place of understanding and come back to that place of being neutral. So I feel like we should probably address what coming from a neutral position means, because I don't know that I really know what that means, like in in function. What what do you think it means? So I think you're right. It's super hard. So in this particular position, We're talking about something that we disagree with. So yeah, coming from a neutral position would be hard. I think the way I would see it would be coming rather than rather than trying to come at it with like a fact, throw a fact in their face, come at it from a perspective point of view. So I think neutral would be, well, this is what I think. This is why I think it, you know, I'm open to your interpretation. I think to me in this situation, that feels relatively neutral because you're not coming at them and saying this is what I think and you should think it too right or this is you're wrong or you're yeah right because yeah I think that is a kind of a weird one but I mean as far as a place of understanding that's also hard right that's super difficult because if I don't know why in the f-bomb you would ever think that or you would agree on this or that because I just think it just blows my mind that anybody can think that way. How can I possibly come from a place of understanding? And I think the way we do that is another piece to this puzzle. Um, so like the, I don't know, know what we're on at this point, four or five, something like that, would be to respect diversity, respect and appreciate diversity of opinion. Yes. I think that's really the only way you do that. So a lot of that because, probably has to do with like resisting name calling, right? Resisting 
uh, demonization. Yeah. And I think, you know what, you're really right on that. So coming from a place of understanding, so respecting and appreciating diversity of thought, because you have, we have, everyone has been in that position sometime in our life on some type of topic Yes, where we were wrong. We have, and it's not fun. We already know it's not fun. So if we're coming into a conversation and we truly you know, hands down, believe that our perspective is the right perspective. And we know that they think of a different perspective coming and approaching that in a way that's respectful and doesn't go straight to blows is super important. So I think maybe that's where we can get the understanding from is understanding that people are not all going to think the same. And it's true. And, and I guess that, well, you know what it is, you have to be coming from a place of good faith. If you're not, and that's where the objective thing comes in is like, what's, Are you ready to have this conversation and what's your objective with it? So appreciate diversity. So basically that would be five right there. Number six, tip number six coming at you. Remember that it's a dialogue and try to over, try to avoid overtaking the conversation. I do this sometimes, maybe more often than I should. I get super excited and passionate and my voice actually gets louder And I don't mean for it to, but then people are like, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, oh my God, I didn't mean to yell. I'm not meaning to yell. But like, I'm so excited and passionate about things. Sometimes it comes off super strong. And when you're having a conversation with somebody that disagrees with you and you're excited about it or you're passionate about it, that that is not helpful. Not at all. I'm sure. But I know what you say. I actually get my scooby-doo voice. (laughs) Your Scooby-Doo voice? Yeah. Like, I get so excited. I get I get all the way up here. <laughs> oh, you do? My pitch goes up. <laughs> yeah. So I know when I get, yeah, like super, super, but yeah. But by then I'm already bulldozing. So, but that's usually not an argument. Okay. So this is an interesting one. Number seven, avoid using the word but. Which I thought was, um, this was actually repeated in a couple a couple places, and I thought it was really interesting. You have some thoughts on this? Yeah, so the word but was something I was taught in school during, like, debate class to not use because it negates everything that comes before the but. So, however, or maybe consider, or something like that, instead of but. So, in debate class, they said that when you use the word but, that basically... Anything you say before the but is it's like erased essentially. Yeah, that basically you're the the person that you're talking to feels that everything that you said in agreement with them is negated. Huh, interesting. Um, number eight, which I think is super super important. Um, I'm a hundred percent on board with this, and sometimes, well, I'll just say what it is and then I'll say my story. So the number eight is tell stories, specific stories. So tell stories with specifics that parallel or relate to or explain your experience with, you know, your reasoning for. And uh, basically they're saying that this keeps the perspective um, on an experience as opposed to like a fight about some statistics on a piece of paper that nobody can relate to. And so my story with this is that I do this, but usually what I do, and okay, so this only applies if the conversation is with family or close friends. But what I do is I bring up a personal story, typically involving myself and the person that I'm involved with, that I feel directly contradicts what they're saying. And 
that might be me weaponizing the an experience that we've had together in some some sort of a way, but I do it because I feel like it's relevant. I feel like sometimes on some topics, if you want to say this, but I remind you that you did this, then it's placing hypocrisy on on your opinion. And again, that might be not, not that might be not nice. I don't know, but I've done that a couple times and people don't like it. They don't like it at all. I weaponize too. I mean, and I, so when I've done it in the past, so I'll tell you like when I, when it has been like happening, I'm not thinking of it as weaponizing it. I'm thinking of it as this is something that you and I both can't deny because it's a shared experience and we both know the story and this is what happened. And if it negates their point, then of course they're on the defensive. But I think what I'm failing, when I, when I do that, what I'm failing to do is consider the fact that even though it's a shared experience, we still experienced it from different perspectives. Yes. I I do it. I do it as a weapon if I'm being completely honest. But <laughs> since we're having this discussion, I was like, I'm thinking about, okay, so I know what I normally do. So I'm like, how could I do the same thing, but have it not be hostile? Because cause it's kind of hostile when I do it, to be fair. Yeah, so you're going to love the next one. Uh, Number nine is (laughs) resist the urge to be provocative. Basically, this is our fire starter, right? So resist that urge because in a conversational context, when you're talking to someone who you don't agree with, doing that is more like a conversational punch in the face and it will drastically increase the emotional resistance to what you have to say. Number 10, look for ways in which you agree or look for things that you can have common ground in. Think about like a climate change, for example. That's kind of, an, kind of a big one. But let's say that you both agree that steps need to be taken for climate change issues, but you totally and completely disagree on the method of those changes. So you can at least agree on, you know, you found that commonality of like, we agree on this but we don't agree on how it's done. So that was kind of a really big one. But yeah, I mean, finding common ground is a way to kind of bring the temperature down a little bit, I'd say. Yeah. So the next one, uh, number 11, which we kind of touched on. Again, it's a dialogue, but it's listen with an open mind. So not listening to form your next argument or to form your rebuttal, but actually listening fully to what they, so I think we talked about like, it's actually like parallel to active listening or not active listening. That's literally what I just said. Yeah. No active listening. Yeah. That would be right. Is that what it's called? Yep. Active listening, listening with an open mind, like listening to hear, not listening to respond. Right. So I am, this is hard. Yeah, it is hard. And then the last one, keep a sense of humor, which I love. Yes, I do too. But also, I mean, all of this is super hard because if you're talking about a passionate topic that you disagree on, that is difficult. It's extraordinarily difficult. I think really what's important is that, ah, this is so tough. I mean, it really is because we can say all these things, but if you're not talking to somebody who's acting in good faith either, like you have to be, but so do they. True. Yeah, it's a conversation. So if if you can do all these things and they can be just completely combative and and rude and call you names and and break all the rules. So, yeah. 
I mean, I think that's where you just determine first off, if you're ready to have the conversation, ask them if they're ready to have the conversation. And then if it starts to get out of hand and it's not something that you can cool down, just being like, okay, cool. Like we're, we're going to stop this. And it depends what your objective is. Like you said, if you have the expectation that you really want to just finalize this and it's either going to go in a positive way or you're not going to be friends after, like if that's your mindset, then hey, you, you've set yourself up. You already know. Like you already know what where it's potentially going to go. And so when they don't act in good faith, it'll be easier for you to swallow because you already expect that. I agree. It's a possibility. I should say you already expect that it's a possibility. I should say that. Right. Because we don't want, again, we don't, we want to try to avoid that whole bias of like ex- thinking we're going to know what they're going to do. And and that's where expectations come in. Having level expectations probably is really important. Anything else that you would add to this list of how to have hard conversations? Just that some people are super good at it. It's not one of my skill sets, really. I mean, I can, but it, it has to be with a certain type of personality. Um, so I can definitely get better at it because one of the things I've said to you is that like, there's that guy, we'll find his name and we'll put him in the show notes, but there's a guy in the South who got all these Ku Klux Klan members to like stop being part of the Ku Klux Klan. And he did it through conversations. And that to me is astounding. And, uh, I know that I don't have that skill set. So it's something that when used properly is amazing. So I feel like he would be a prime example of utilizing every single one of these things that we've talked about because he was dealing with people as a black man that stood for essentially hating him or putting him down on such a low level. So he had to listen with an open mind. He had to have a strong intention going into it. He had to be super specific in his stories and examples because otherwise, I mean, think about how hard it is to get across to someone who basically hates you for just how you look. For being alive. Yeah. And still somehow managed to not once, not twice, but multiple times do that over and over and be successful at it. Hundreds. I think he was attributed to hundreds um, of KKK members um, denouncing that. So, yeah. So it works. <laughs> yeah, he had to. He had to connect with them. So don't write. Don't write everybody off just yet. I mean, I think that's the hardest thing for me when I think about having these difficult conversations. And again, this this is really specific to um, family members and people that we love. Knowing that they have an opinion that is very, it's just polar opposite of your opinion on a subject is really, really hard to reconcile. It's really hard to reconcile because, and this, it goes with close friends too. If it's not a close friend, it's super easy to not get emotionally attached. Okay, cool. Like you're not my friend anymore. We don't need to associate. No big deal, you know? But if it's a close friend, longtime friend, or if it's a family member, that's someone that's been a part of your life. That's, that is a, as a blood, you know, it's just even close friends. It's, it's like, it's really hard to reconcile that because you love the person, but are so disappointed at something that they've done or their viewpoint on something. Mm -hmm. 